0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, December 15th, 2023. On Broadway Radio, it's Matt Tamanini.
1: And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Hockey.
0: Grace, this is... We're exactly like 10 days now from Christmas. That means over the next few weeks, we will still have some Today on Broadway's next week. We're not exactly sure of our schedule yet, but we will be doing some mailbag episodes. We can also take suggestions on other types of episodes beyond that that, we, uh, that you would like us to do, both here in the regular feed and over on Patreon. So... If you have suggestions or have questions that you want us to answer, head over to patreon.com slash Radio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon and send us a message there. We will have episodes here in the regular feed every single weekday. They won't necessarily all be today on Broadway, and there will be some exclusive episodes over on Patreon at the mezzanine tier and above. So keep your eyes out for that and all of the special perks for the higher tiers as well. But, Grace, let's get into the news today. And this is something that... On one hand, is not a surprise, but uh, on another hand, is a little bit of a surprise, I suppose. But yesterday, Deadline reported that just as Netflix's Stranger Things was getting ready to make its official opening night in London with Stranger Things: colon, The First Shadow, the thing that we all assumed was that the show is planning on coming over to Broadway. What I had not anticipated, although I probably could have figured it out if I had thought about it, but it's called The First Shadow. And apparently it won't be the only shadow because the show is intended to be the first in a trilogy of stage plays set in Hawkins, Indiana, where the series is set and they explore all the backgrounds of the characters that we know from the TV series. And being somebody who doesn't know a ton about um, Stranger Things, I imagine, Grace, that they could go far beyond. If these are successful, they could do many more than just three. But it's interesting to me that we don't see a ton of Stage franchises, and when we do, the sequels usually don't do very well. But doing something that is based on a beloved episodic TV show that has very set stories told in individual seasons, this kind of makes sense to me. This first play is written by Kate Treffery with Stephen Daldry and Justin Martin co directing. It is opening on Thursday night, so by the time you hear this in the regular feed, you can probably find reviews as well. But not surprised it's planning on coming to Broadway, Grace. Interested that they are trying to turn this into a trilogy, though.
1: Matt, I don't think that they're trying. I think they're doing it. I think that well, they're, they're, yeah, they've made a trilogy. I think it's smart. I mean, like we've talked about before on the show, there's a plan in place. Like, this level of commitment to the prequel of it all does not come without its strings. And I think that it's really exciting for anybody who's a huge fan of the show to continue to pull and tug on this existing IP that they've created this whole world that they've created and putting it on stage. So I kind of appreciate the fan service of it all. And the fact that they're saying there's more to unlock, there's more to uncover, I think is a part of a really great plan.
0: What's interesting is is it, uh, it's hard for us to talk about it because there is literally next to no information about this show out there doing a very similar to what Harry Potter and the Cursed Child did when it opened first in London and then in New York. They are handing out little buttons and, and flyers and stuff reminding people to keep the secrets of the show is that it explores when Henry Creel first moves to Hawking's in 1959. Creel goes on, spoiler alert for the shows, I guess, um, goes on to be the ruler of the Upside Down. Uh, this also shows high school versions of Stranger Things characters, Jim Hopper, Bob Newby, and Joyce Maldonado. We don't know a lot about the plot, but the first act is called Chapter One, The Girl from Nowhere. Okay, we'll see what that's all about. We will obviously learn more as, you know, we get reviews from opening night and stuff, but interested to see what this is all about and how they were able to, you know, flesh this out into the, you know, the Stranger Things extended stage universe and all of that. All right. Yesterday we got um, some sad news and one of the most iconic directors in all of stage history, Michael Blakemore, passed away at the age of 95 earlier this week Michael Blakemore spent most of his directing time over in London, where he was at one point the associate director of the National Theater. But he has a very cool piece of Broadway and Tony Awards history. He is, to to date, the only person to ever win Tony Awards for best director of a play and best director of a musical In the same season. He did it in 2000 when he won for Copenhagen as the play. And then the revival of Kiss Me Kate starring... Brian Stokes Mitchell, and Maren Mazie. He won both of those. Interestingly enough, he was also nominated in those two categories 10 years previous for Lettuce and Lovage as the play and City of Angels for the musical. He directed a number of other beloved shows, most notably Noises Off, both first in London and in New York. And I have to tell you, Grace, like having directed plays, anytime I see Noises Off, I'm like, oh, there are people who are just like, excellent at this and there is no way that I could ever do that because just the timing and the 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 specificity and the perfection of noises off when it is done right just absolutely blows my mind. He also directed The Life on Broadway as well as Blythe Spirit, which was his final show on Broadway and the second in 2 years that he directed Angela Lansbury and he also wrote a number of very important Theatrical books, one of which I have. So a lot of people sharing their thoughts, not only on having worked with him, but having seen shows that he directed. And um, again, shows like Noises Off, that that Kiss Me Kate, uh, just absolutely I- iconic work and somebody who uh, will be greatly missed, especially based off of all of the comments from people who worked with him over the years, Grace.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, to your point, noise is off when executed is like the greatest gift to theater in the world. And I th- think mm-hmm. that th- your your sentiment summed it up perfectly. And, and I think what better gift to give the world, right?
0: It's, yeah, a, just an absolutely perfect show when it is done well. I've also seen it not done well. And that is, I guess, its own form of gift. But certainly when you have an expert director and a, a pinpoint accurate and talented cast, it is special. All right, let's do a real quick review roundup for the Buena Vista Social Club that opened on Wednesday at the Atlantic Theater Company. It is, of course, based on the iconic film of the same name. This features, though, a book by Marco Ramirez. It is directed and, uh, and developed by Sahim Ali. Choreography is by Patricia Delgado and Justin Peck. And David Yazbek serves as a creative consultant for the show. It is currently scheduled to run at the Linda Gross Theater through January 21st. Overall, the reviews were, were very positive. Jesse Green of the New York Times said, quote, When the staging, singing, and playing come together, whether in exuberance or sorrow, I was happily reminded of another musical about music that originated at the Atlantic, The Band's Visit. And then, of course, he mentions that David Yazbek wrote the songs for The Band's Visit and is a consultant here. Then he goes on. In such moments, you really do feel the past harmonizing with the present. What company says is true old songs kick up old feelings. Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show four out of five stars saying, quote, the script hits its marks effectively, if not surprisingly, and director Sahim Ali keeps the toggling structure evocative and clear, with valuable help from Arnolfo Maldonado's set and Didi Aite's costumes. But the plot is just a hanger for the musical numbers, which is where Buena Vista Social Club comes to thrilling life. The show makes no attempt to force its score into doing character work. All 15 songs, of which 9 were part of the original 1996 recording sessions, were presented as performances in nightclubs or recording studios, sometimes heightened by the six excellent dancers who execute Patricia Delgado and Justin Peck's gorgeously fluid and individuated choreography. The lyrics are untranslated, but that hardly matters. The music itself is the story. Last one I'll do here comes from Juan A. Ramirez at Theaterly, who said, The terrific ensemble carries the weight of the story's history and the beauty of its culture with passion and understanding, especially its older members who look right at home in an awful Maldonado's faded colonial set. Every number, be it joyous or melancholy, bursts with life. We'll have more reviews. And if you want to read more of those, you can check them all out in the show notes. Grace, have you seen Brandivis the Social Club yet? We've talked about seeing it before, even off mic, but I can't remember if you've actually had a chance to get to the Atlantic to see it yet.
1: No, I had tickets. Unfortunately, I had to be out of town on the exact date when I was supposed to go. Um, And I've been really excited. So I'm hoping that they can get me in before. Um, I know they've extended. Um, I was actually surprised to see that this wasn't a Times critics pick, to be frank with you. Um, Like, I'm I genuinely shocked. But I've been so excited about this one for such a long time, and I'm glad to see that people are really responding to it in a similar way to the to the way that they did with The Band's Visit. You know, I think that there's a lot of uh, need for a show, for especially a musical piece device like that right now and theatrical storytelling. And this is such a beloved film and project by so many people that um I, I know that they've got to have a lot of plans for it.
0: Yeah, even some of the reviews talked about it is pretty obvious that this show has aspirations for bigger venues in New York City. So we will see what happens with that. All right, let's do some uh, show and casting news. And yesterday, the Signature Theater announced the cast for the upcoming world premiere of Dave Malloy's new show, Three Houses. This one will begin performances on April 30th of 2024. It is going to be directed and choreographed by Annie Tippy, and it features a number of people who have worked on Dave Malloy's shows in the past and some who are new to his world. The cast will feature J.D. Mollison as Beckett, Mia Pack as Sadie, Margot Siebert as Susan, Henry Stram as Grandfather, Scott Strangland as Wolf, and Ching Valdez-Iran as Grandmother. In the show, it follows Susan, who is in Latvia, Sadie, who is in New Mexico, and Beckett, who is in Ireland. All three are alone. All three are haunted by their grandparents. All three hear the big bad wolf scratching at the door. I am fascinated to know if that is a metaphor with the big bad wolf or if that is actually like the big bad wolf at the door. Because with a Dave Malloy show, Grace, there's really no telling. It could be either way. It could be a metaphor or we could actually see the big bad wolf on stage at any point.
1: Yeah, my dude Dave Malloy is weird, but I like him. (laughs) I like him a lot. So we what, time will tell <laughs> what's going to happen. Perhaps an operatic aria by this wolf. I don't know.
0: <laughs> and the three little pigs joining in uh, in harmony. Yeah. I. You know what's interesting about Dave Malloy is I am fascinated that we are starting to see regional theaters do Great Comet. I have not yet to see it. There's a theater here doing it in Orlando In 2024, at some point, I don't remember when, but I think it's great that this show that really became to came to be known as an immersive show, whether that was off Broadway in the tent and then on Broadway itself is now finding ways to be done in inventive ways in very different spaces. And I think it speaks to. Dave's storytelling and music that the so many different theater companies around the country are finding ways to do this show that when you just look at what it was on Broadway, you think, oh, there's no way we can do that. But they're finding ways to do it creatively that still fit the story. And and I can't wait to finally see it uh, because I didn't get to see it on Broadway. I had tickets and then it closed. Speaking of, of something fun, apparently Tony winner David Cromer does not like doing shows for more than 50 people because... His next show as an actor, because he is directing Prayer for the French Republic, uh, coming to Broadway here. This week, next week, sometime very soon. Uh, anyway, he is going to star in the U.S. premiere of the new play The Animal Kingdom by British playwright Ruby Thompson. This is going to take place at the Connolly Theater Upstairs starting on January 25th. It will just be 16 performances through February 10th and it will only play to 50 people nightly. We just talked about the fact that Job will be having a return engagement this time at the Connolly Theater, I guess downstairs in a in a bigger uh, part of that venue. But David Cromer will be joined by Tasha Lawrence, Lily McInerney, Ola Schlesinger, and Calvin Leon Smith. The Show follows a struggling family that finds itself trapped in an inpatient clinic for family therapy, forced to find new ways to communicate. Of course, David Cromer, who was a guest over the summer here on Broadway Radio, did that very, very uber intimate Uncle Vanya. And I think shows like this that have a really cool star or in the case of Uncle Vanya, multiple stars, Grace, I think we're going to see more of these. Uh, One, because I think Vanya was really well received. I thought it was great and it got all these um Uh, you know, all these accolades and it is showing up on the best of 2023 lists. But I also think like having these limited runs doing like these great shows, whether they're new or classics is something that is really appealing for actors. And I would not be surprised if we see that whether they're in lofts or in tiny spaces, like the Connelly theater upstairs, like I think we're going to see more of these just because, they're very cool. And, and theater has always been done in New York City in strange and small places. But when you get someone like David Cromer to do this type of thing, it certainly elevates the cachet for a production.
1: Yeah, you got to have these big names attached these days. I mean, that's the way the cookie is mm-hmm. crumbling. Um, David Cromer especially. So um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that it speaks to, you know, if if we are doing new works or revivals or whatever it is, like attaching people that have that kind of like cultural cachet is really important.
0: And I think there's just something cool about doing it in these spaces, especially a show that is, you know, something like Vanya, which is a a period piece. And it is, you know, kind of an epic to do it in this like place that literally just looks like someone's kitchen. I think is very cool. And whether it's a show that is old like Vanya or even a new show that is normally considered to be epic. I I think doing it in these interesting venues is great, but also not dissimilar to what I was talking about with great Comet, like this epic big show, is showing uh, in in regional theaters, like how it can be done in in different and creative ways. And I think that only encourages other places around the country to take swings on doing shows differently.
1: This just reminds me though, like, this is why I loved, 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 loved seeing shows uh, that are site specific with Keen company uh, in the Mm -hmm. past year. You know, it genuinely inspires me, like as an artist, as a creator, to constantly be taken out of a classic proscenium realm. Um, it's just really important because it reminds you that art can be anywhere and that includes your living room. And there's just something really comforting of the fact that like you can tear it all down and rebuild it in a space that feels comfortable for you. And I hope it's inspiring to, I hope it trickles out as kind of my point, like even our, for our community yeah. theaters around the world is that like, Hey, if you don't want to fill your 85 seat black box, why don't you do it at someone's, you know place why don't you do it at a, a country club as a benefit like what what if you did something else and i hope that that type of inspiration continues
0: speaking of theater in unusual forms this week the portland not for profit company play on shakespeare announced its winter and spring lineup for 2024 we will have a link to all of the shows that they are doing out in portland but one of the things that we always look forward to, and we've talked about it a number of times here on Broadway Radio, is they do podcast adaptations of Shakespeare works called Play on Podcasts. This most recent one, recent one will air its first episode on Monday, December 18th, and it will be an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet translated. I It's in English, so I'm not sure what the translation means, but I guess translated into modern English, I suppose by Hansel Young and directed by Dustin Willis. The radio play itself will be done by Catherine Eaton. As I said, the first episode comes out on Monday. This is a joint production with Play on Shakespeare, uh, the National Asian American Theater Company, and Two River Theater. So additional episodes will be released in the new year, but you can hear the first episode of Hansel Young's adaptation of Romeo and Juliet on Monday.
1: I'm such a fan of Hansel Young's work and I love Two River. I want to shout out Two River Theater Company. They are amazing. Their staff is incredible. The, they they continue to make their subscribers happy, but push the envelope. Um, I just like to see their name attached to this is all I wanted to say.
0: Absolutely. All right. I have two recommendations, one of which is a new music video for the cast recording from Merrily We Roll Along's uh, version of Old Friends. It's great. I love it. I love seeing, you know, behind the scenes as they're recording these. But the other one, Grace, the final Jeopardy question from, I guess, Wednesday was in the category of movie musicals. And I want to see if you can get this because I'm going to admit to you, I did not get the answer to this. But the answer, so to say, was, quote, of the musicals to win an Oscar for Best Picture, one of the two with one word titles based on and named for literary characters. So they want you to say one of the two options of musicals that won Best Picture Oscar that are just one name titles and based on a literary character. I did not get either of them. I went with one but I wasn't sure if it won best best picture or not and I don't believe it did. So, do you know can you come up with either of the two?
1: I thought Chicago. Is that not one of them?
0: What no, it's based on it has to be named for a literary character. So, oh uh, um, god. Yeah, one word <laughs> title named for a literary character.
1: Wow, no, this is a good stumper. What is it?
0: So, OK, my guess was Yentl, but I wasn't really all that sure that Yentl won best picture. And I mm. don't believe it. I don't believe it did. It. I'm actually looking here now. No, it was it was it won an Oscar, but not for best picture. The two possible answers were Gigi and Oliver, which I feel like I should <gasps> have gotten Oliver, but I didn't.
1: Consider yourself dumb.
0: <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. That was good. That was quick, Grace. I'm proud of you uh, and, and impressed. All right, everybody. That's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me pretty much anywhere at BWW Matt. Grace, where can people find you?
1: You can find me at it's Grace Aki. All
0: right, everybody. Have a wonderful Friday, a wonderful weekend. We'll be back to talk to you on Monday.